Hello, people of the way. If you have your Bible, please open up to Deuteronomy chapter 13. Deuteronomy 13. Remember what Moses is doing. He's telling the next generation, the generation that's going to pass into the promised land. He's giving them in his last discourse. Remember, 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 remember. Don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. That's what he's telling this next generation of Israel. And so we continue in chapter 13, verse 1. If there arises among you. Very interesting what we see here. Among you, inside the camp. Just like we see in Paul. Remember the Miletus meeting when Paul is uh, having his uh, 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 this uh, 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 discourse, his final discourse to the elders in Ephesus, the last meeting with the elders in Ephesus. Now it's not in Ephesus, they're the elders of Ephesus, but he sends a, a, a messenger to, the, to Ephesus to say, hey, elders, we're going to meet in Miletus. And so all the elders, they go to Miletus, and it's the last, the last meeting. And Paul says, after my departure, wolves are going to come in. And even from among you, you see, even from among you, some of you guys are going to turn into wolves, he says, after my departure. It's kind of similar to what we see here with Moses. After my departure, because remember, he's an old man, Moses, he's an old man. I mean, uh, Paul was an old man too, but. Moses is an old man and he's about ready to die. He's about ready to die. And in his, he's an old man and he's about, he's, what he's doing is he's giving them in this final discourse to tell this next generation, don't forget you guys. Remember you guys. Honor the Lord, you guys. Glorify the Lord, you guys. I mean, that's a, a nutshell, but that's what he's doing. And he says in verse 1, chapter 13, Deuteronomy, if there arises among you, it's inside the camp, a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or a wonder. Now, it's very interesting what we see here because, okay, so we have a prophet. We have a dreamer of dreams, and he has the signs and the wonders. And I wonder if there's people who would hear such prophet, hear such dreamer of dreams, and say, look, God is using this person. Let's follow this guy. Look, he has dreams and let's follow what he says. Look, he's a prophet. Let's follow what he says. And in verse 2, Moses continues. And the sign or wonder comes to pass. Now, seemingly a good thing. We're like, wow, look, he's a dreamer of dreams. He's a prophet. He has all these prophecies. And look, whatever he said, it's now come to pass. Look, it's confirmation. It's confirmation. God is doing something. Look how beautiful it is. Let's follow what he says. Very interesting that we see that, yes, indeed, it comes to pass. Because a lot of people today would say, Oh, look, that's confirmation. Look, that's confirmation. Look, this guy, he said this, and then all of a sudden it happened, and he said this, and it happened. Look, it's confirmation. Let's follow what he says. You see people like this on TBN, the TV network, Tricking Believers Nightly, TBN. Tricking Believers Nightly. You see it. They give a prophecy. Oh, you know, they call it a prophecy. Oh, you know, the Lord told me this, the Lord told me that. And then all of a sudden you start to see, oh, okay, let's go grave soaking. You see? Well, what he said, he said it was a prophecy. He said it was a prophecy and it came to pass. But now he wants to go grave soaking? 
You see? And so look what happens here in verse 2. And the sign or wonder comes to pass, of which he spoke to you, saying, Let us go after other gods. Now stop here for a moment. I shouldn't say stop here for a moment. Straight up, stop right here. Because a lot of people, Old Testament and New Testament, and even today, they get themselves in a lot of trouble because they say, oh, I'm going to follow this guy. I'm going to follow this guy. I'm going to follow this guy. Some people say, I'm going to follow this lady. I'm going to follow this other lady. Today, people are saying, I'm going to follow this guy who was born a guy, but now he's a lady. He says he's a lady. Or I'm going to follow this lady who was born female, but now she's male, and I'm going to follow him, her, you know, whatever they say. That's, what, that's what's happening today. And remember, Paul is the one who says, follow me as I follow Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. So who do we follow? Who is a Christian? Who is a saint to follow? Do we follow this guy, this guy, this lady, this lady? Biblically speaking, pastors... Church leadership, always male, always male, 100% of the time, male, not 90%, not 70%, pastors, elders, always male. If you're in a fellowship where you have a female pastor, jump ship, jump ship, get another pastor, get another teacher, you're on the wrong boat, get in the ark. Now, if you're female and you're like, whoa, what is this guy saying? How dare he say this? How dare he say this? I'm against the patriarchy. I'm against the patriarchy. Listen to me. I'm against the patriarchy too. Most patriarchs are dumb. I meant, you know, from a patriarchal standpoint, in accordance to the flesh, most patriarchs are dumb. But in accordance to the spirit, the better patriarch, his name is Jesus Christ. You and me, we submit to him. Complete and total submission to him. And in complete and total submission to him, what does his word say? Pastors, elders, always male. Biological male. I mean, 10 years ago, I didn't have to say that. But today, I have to say that. Biological male. Now, I said something about transgender. You know, born male, now he's female. Now born female, now male. Listen to me. If you're transgender or, you know, sexual identity, kind of like, you know, I don't know, wishy-washy. I don't know how you want to say that. I love you. I love you. This isn't to say that, you know, you're crazy, you know, you're losing your mind and all that. I, I know I've heard all the arguments. I want you to know that I love you. But I also want you to know that God loves you. And I also want you to know even more. Yes, there is some confusion in your life. God is not the author of confusion. You're under attack. It is satanic. You were created in the image of God. You know who hates that? Satan hates that. And so what does he want in your life? Satan he wants to kill you. He wants you dead. He knows he's going he's gonna to burn in hell. He knows that, that he's going to burn in hell. And what he wants to do is drag you with him. You see? Now, I don't want to get off topic, but since I mentioned, mentioned transgenderism, now, this is what Satan wants to do. In Luke chapter 8, 
Verse 11. It's something we refer to a lot these days. Very interesting. In Luke 8, verse 11, now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those, in verse 12, by the wayside are the ones who hear. Now, look what happens. They hear the word of God. And this might be you. This might be you. Right here, right now, this might be you. Those by the wayside. Yes, wayside. I'll say it again. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. And that might be you right here, right now. You hear. We're studying the word of God. And then the devil comes in verse 12, Luke 8, verse 12. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts. Now, this might have been you. Remember, you're created in the image of God. I don't care what anybody says. You're created in the image of God. But he's not done. There's more to be done. You're created in the image of God in the ways of Adam. But there's more to be done in the ways of Christ. You were formed in your mother's womb. You say, wait a second, I was born female and I think I'm a male. Wait a second, I was born male and I think I'm a female. You're created in the image of God. You look in the mirror and you hate yourself. That's demonic. You're beautiful. I don't care if you're male. Sometimes guys, you know, what are you talking about? You're a dude and you say I'm beautiful. Yes, you're beautiful. Yes, you're beautiful. Male, female, I don't care. But in God, there is no confusion. If you're confused... That is not of the Lord. I don't want to say you're crazy. People might say, oh, you're crazy. You're crazy. You're crazy. I hate you. I hate you. Listen to me. I say you're not crazy. And I say, I love you. But there is confusion. Look what happens here. The devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts. Lest they should believe and be saved. Remember, Satan, he knows he's going to burn in hell. He knows it. He knows it. And he knows his time is short. And so he's going to amp up his attacks. And so today, right two minutes ago, when we started looking at verse 12, when you hear me say, those by the wayside, two minutes ago, and I emphasized wayside, confirming, yes, those by the wayside are the ones who hear. And I said, this might be you because you're hearing. And then I even said, then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their heart. And the devil might have done that two years ago. The devil might have done that two months ago. The devil might have done that two days ago. The devil might have done that two hours ago. But I'm talking about right here, right now. And I urge you to say, no more. No more. Because Satan doesn't want you to believe and be saved. You know what God wants? Your father in heaven, the best, the ultimate patriarch. Do you know what God wants? He wants you to believe and be saved. Except he never made you a robot. I'm not a Calvinist. I'm not reformed. He doesn't make you a robot. 
Sometimes I've had these conversations with homosexuals, lesbians. Oh, if God is so good, then how come he does this? How come he, you know, I went to the church, I went to, I talked to this Christian and he told me, she told me that I was predestined for destruction. That's Calvinism. They're wrong. They're crazy. You say, oh, you Christians, you're crazy. I agree. A lot of Christians are crazy because they're doctrinally inaccurate. That's Calvinism. God doesn't make robots. God does not make robots. He loves you. You're lesbian. You're gay. You're, you know, homosexual. You're transgender. You're confused. I will never say, you know, you're straight up crazy. You're going to burn in hell. I will say you're uh, uh, confused. But I also know that God is not the author of confusion because it is written. In him there is order. And you were formed in your mother's womb, created in the image of God, but in accordance to Adam, the first generation. There is another generation that can be born again, but that only comes in Jesus Christ. You were created in the image of Christ. He's not done with you. He's not done with you. There's more to be formed, and that is faith. You see? Two hours ago, the devil might have come and taken the word out of your heart. Why? Because he doesn't want you to believe and be saved. You look in the mirror and you say, wow, I'm so ugly. I'm so ugly. And maybe it's like this. And I want friends. And in order to have friends, I got to do this. I got to do that. And you look in the mirror and you see ugliness. But if I were to see you, I would see beauty. Male, I would see beauty. Female, I would see beauty. Why? Because I know you were created in the image of God. And he's not done with you. My beautiful, beautiful friend, he is not finished with you. Satan wants him to be finished with you because he wants to drag you to hell. But no more. No more. I can't say that for you. God doesn't make you a robot. You have to say that. No more. And then you repent. And you receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I don't care. Lesbian, homosexual, you know, transgender. I don't know what there is anymore, you know, but whatever it is, I don't care. You say, wait a second, I'm homosexual and I did this, 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 this. I, I, I don't care. I'm lesbian, I did this, this, this. I'm transgender, I did this, this. I, could, I don't care. That's the ways of death, wickedness, but that can end right here, right now. And if you want to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you repent right here, right now. Hit pause, listen to the message, how to commit your life to Jesus Christ, and you do exactly that. Now I call you my beautiful brother, my beautiful sister. No more confusion. You see? And then you listen, you study, you have your Bible, and then all of a sudden you're going to grow created in the image of Christ in the ways of Adam, I mean, your natural person who you see in the mirror. 
then you start to grow and mature in the image of Christ, according to Christ, and also according to the Spirit. Born again, my friend, my beautiful brother, my beautiful sister, born again. And I say that with faith. You see, sometimes I say these things about the homosexuals, the lesbians, the transgender, and it's like, whoa, that's kind of abrasive. But you know what? I'm not, I'm not a candy coater. I'm not a, you know, life's too short to, to, to candy coat. Life's too, way too short for that. Let's just tell it like it is. Let's just read the Bible, study the Bible for face value. And then every single person, myself included, we have a choice to make. Do I yield to the word of God in accordance to his spirit? Do you yield to the word of God in accordance to his spirit? That's hardcore. That man, that's, that's something that we all have to do. I'm in the same boat. I say jump ship. If you're, you know, if you're in this church, if you're in that church, if you're over here, over here, jump ship. You're taught wrong. But we have to study the word for face value, verse by verse, line upon line, because we have to make these hardcore decisions for our souls. A lot of people say, oh, you transgenders, homosexual, lesbians, you guys are crazy. You're going to burn in hell. That's, that's, you know, you're predestined for hell. That's Calvinism. That, that doctrine is wrong. You say, oh, the Christians are crazy. I watch TBN. I turn on the TV, the Christian TV, and I see craziness. I go over here to this church, and they say predestined for hell. This guy says to go grave soaking. This other guy says you can take the mark of the beast. And that's craziness. And I'm in agreement with you, my friend. It is craziness. But the solution isn't to walk along the wayside. The solution is not to walk on the wayside in life. Not today, not tomorrow, not next year, not for the rest of your life. But if you are outside of Christ, you are on the wayside. That's the path that you're on. That you're on. And I say to you, Take my hand, my beautiful friend. I don't care. You're transgender. You're confused. You're born female and you think you're male. You're born male. You think you're female. I don't, lesbian, I, I, I don't care. Take my hand. I don't want you on the wayside. There's a better way. There's a better way. His name is Jesus Christ. We walk on the narrow path. Take my hand. You see, and be born again. God loves you. Very serious days that we're living in. Incredibly serious days that we live in, that we're living in, and people don't even realize. Even Christians don't even realize that we are in perilous times. And in these perilous times, I say to you, Walk with Jesus. Walk with Jesus. Study his word. Read his word. Listen to these messages. And all we do, we just study. The, we open up our Bibles together. And we read. We study. You see? And supernaturally, something happens. It's supernatural. And praise be to the Lord. Because when that happens, your eyes of faith, you're going to see clearly. You're going to understand these things. And we're just moving on to perfection. Just as the Bible says. Let's go back to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 13. So look what happens here. The so-called the prophet. 
the dreamer of dreams. This gives us signs and wonder. The signs and wonder it comes to pass. And then all of a sudden he says in verse 2, let us go serve other gods. That's, you know, the alarm bell should be going off there. Let us go serve other gods. No alignment to God's word. What is, what, what is in the commandments? You should have no other gods before me. I'm not advocating the commandment. I'm advocating the law. I'm no way, shape, or form am I advocating the law. But it's kind of basic. I mean, it's straight up written in the law. You should have no other gods before me. And so the, the preacher guy, the prophet comes in, the dreamer of dreams, and it comes to pass. Oh, let's go to the Baals. Let's go to Molech. Let's do the asterisk. Let us go serve other gods in verse 2, which you have not known, and let us serve them. Now, the unlearned will say, yeah, let's go serve other gods. Look, we have confirmation. He's a prophet, and it's come to pass. Look, he's a prophet. The Lord is with him. Let's follow him. But the learned, those who know and those who apply, no way. We're not going to follow that guy. No way. Now, this is seemingly simple. Seemingly a simple thing. I mean, when when somebody says, oh, let's go worship the Baals. Let's go worship uh, Molech. It, it seems easy to say, no way, I'm not going to do that. It seems like it's a piece of cake, right? But the deception is, can be sudden. But the majority of times, it's very slow. This process of seduction, it's very slow. Turn with me really quick to Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1. And in Isaiah 1 verse 3. Isaiah 1 verse 3, we see this. The ox, the ox, the ox knows its owner. And the donkey, its master's crib. But Israel does not know. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, what happened? Look at the camp of Israel. I mean, look, I'm holding up, right now I'm holding up Deuteronomy 13 with my left hand. And with my right hand, I have Isaiah chapter 1. And in my Bible, it, it's like an inch, maybe half an inch, ah, maybe a three-quarter inch. Um, the pages in between my hands, I got... Deuteronomy 13 and Isaiah 1 and I'm holding them up and I'm pinching them together and I got about an inch. Now, you might be super young and have like a quarter inch with your small print Bible and you might be like super old and have like five inches because you have to have the big print. But that's a lot. That That's a big chunk. A lot happens in this span of time between Deuteronomy 13 and Isaiah 1. A lot happens in Israel. A lot happens when for for the Lord through Isaiah or you know the, uh, 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 the Isaiah in his vision in chapter one verse three. But Israel does not know. That's hardcore, because Deuteronomy thirteen they know. Isaiah one, they do not know. You see. A lot of time has passed from Deuteronomy 13 to Isaiah 1. A lot of time has passed. 
what is it that has happened in between in this little sandwich of this one inch sandwich of uh, chapter 13 to Isaiah. Now, if you're young, it might be a quarter inch sandwich. If you're old, it might be a five inch sandwich because you got your large print Bible. But a lot has to happen. For the Lord to reveal to the prophet, the real prophet, not, you know, the kind that we're looking at in, in, in Deuteronomy 13, a real prophet of the Lord. For him to know that Israel does not know, the ox knows, the donkey knows its master, the, the ox knows its owner. But Israel, in verse 3, Isaiah 1, does not know. My people do not consider, you see. You say, oh, look, God predestined them. God doesn't make robots. You know what happened with Israel? They walked away. Just like in the example we gave in our study in Ephesians, baby girls got to be safe in the house. In the example we gave with baby girl in our study in Ephesians chapter 1, listen to Ephesians 1 and, you know, the introduction to Ephesians and then Ephesians 1 and 2, get yourself caught up. Baby girl's got to be safe in the house. You come back, baby girl's gone. Did you lose her? No. You did not lose her. She walked away. She was seduced. Same thing here. Israel does not know my people do not consider in verse 3, Isaiah 1. Oh, God predestined Israel to do this. No, he didn't. I'm not a Calvinist. I'm not reformed. If you're Calvinist, if you're Reformed, listen to our study through uh, Romans 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. All of those chapters and you'll understand more. And I'll also say this to you. Jump ship too. Come out of her, my people. Get a better pastor. Get a better teacher to teach you so that you can learn, so that you can understand. Remember, we are in very perilous times. And if you're Calvinist or Reformed, also listen to the study, do not take the mark of the beast. You hear the Reformed Calvinist say it's okay to take the mark of the beast. Little side note, but a big one with eternal consequences. Little side note. Verse 3, my people do not consider, he says. A lot has happened in that chunk of time. From Deuteronomy you know, about an inch in my, in my Bible, maybe three-quarter inch. Might be half an inch if you're young. Might be five inches if you're old. But a lot happens nonetheless. But let me tell you something. When you take the book of Acts in your left hand, and not Revelation in your right hand, but you straight up take your right hand, your literal right hand, I meant like today, you take your left hand and you put it in the book of Acts. You take your right hand and you put it, you know, uh, on your hip. You put it on your cheek, and your, on your right cheek. A lot has happened. And I say this for a reason. Because the church has walked away too. Same. For both Jew and Gentile, the same. The church has walked away. You see, remember... The apostasy is prophesied to happen. And it is happening. A defection away from truth. Why? Because there was no love of truth. And truth hurts. 
Just like we see, we look at, we hold Deuteronomy 13 with our left hand. We hold Isaiah 1 in our right hand. And we're like, whoa, for, for, for in verse 3, Israel does not know. My people do not consider. You say, well, how dare you, Israel? You know, oh, you know, it's sad to see Israel in this state. What about the church? You think the church is different? Nothing new under the sun. Nothing new under the sun. I mean, have you ever walked into a fellowship? You're like, you know, you're you walk into a fellowship. You're, you you know, you can't find a pastor to teach the Bible. You can find somebody to stand at the pulpit and tell jokes. You can find somebody to stand at the pulpit and you know read from a book that is not the Bible. I mean, you there's there's you know I teach from America, and in America there's a church on every corner, crosses everywhere. It says on the church, it says church, it says Christianity, it says truth, it says all kinds of different things. You're like, wow, this is safe, this is safe. You go in and you listen and you're like, what in the world? Look, and on the door it says truth, it has a picture of a Bible. You go in and, you know, the, the female pastor comes out. Wrong, that's not the right formula. What in the world is happening? The church does not know. The church does not consider. Still in Isaiah 1, look at verse 10. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Whoa. To refer to Israel as Sodom? Whoa, that's hardcore. What has happened? What has happened? Look at, I mean, not, not to get ahead of myself, but if you look at verse 21, how the faithful city has become a harlot. Whoa. A harlot. Oh, God predestined them to do that. No, no, no. That's Calvinism. That's Reformed theory. People say Reformed theology, but I say Reformed theory because it's all a theory. But the theory doesn't hold water. It doesn't line up to Scripture. It's like putting a square peg in a round hole. It doesn't work. It doesn't fit. And if you're Calvinist or Reformed, I love you. I love you. But you have a choice to make. A choice which I present to you right here, right now. Come out of her, my people. Also, listen to Romans 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. In verse 10, hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the law of our God. Very interesting what we see here. I mean... I'm not advocating the law in any way, shape, or form. We know from our study in Galatians what the law really is. If you're wondering, listen to our study through Galatians. Don't forget the introduction to Galatians too, all of it. Read the entire study through Galatians and you'll understand. I'm not advocating the law, but notice what is written in verse 10. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the law of our God. How is it possible to give ear to the law? How is it possible to hear the law? You see? And this is pre-seed before the seed has come. Remember Galatians when Paul says the, the Galatian saints, they wanted to go to the law and be sanctified and delivered by the law. And Paul says a question to them. He asked them, he says, tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? You see, 
It is entirely possible, my beautiful friend, to hear the law. But you need ears to hear. You need ears to hear. And if you're in the Hebrew Roots Movement, you believe in Jesus Christ, but you attempt to be sanctified through the law and you want to do the works of the law, I say, I just echo the words of Paul. You observe the Sabbaths, the feasts, the days, the years. I fear for you, lest I have labored for you in vain. And I say to you in the Hebrew Roots Movement, come out of her, my people. If you are abiding in the law, you are estranged from Christ. It is no, it is not safe for you. The only safety that we have is in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. In, 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 in Christ Jesus. Not out of him. Not abiding in the law. Not abiding in the flesh. Not abiding in the world. Abiding in Christ. That's the only safety that we have. If you cannot hear the law, you need ears to hear. Because the law points to Jesus Christ. He says, give ear to the law, you people of Gomorrah. Whoa, Sodom and Gomorrah. To Israel. What has happened? From Deuteronomy 13 to Isaiah 1, what in the world has happened for Israel to not know? For Israel, for the Lord to say in verse 11, Isaiah 1, to what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me? Question mark. What is the point is what the Lord is saying. Israel, what is the point of your sacrifices to me? I mean, we just got freshly done with our study through Numbers. In Leviticus, and we're in Deuteronomy. And you see the, the beauty of these ordinances. Yes, there's beauty in that, but it's the lesser glory. The lesser glory. The law is still holy, except the greater glory is in Christ Jesus. For the Lord to say, What's the point of your sacrifices? The multitude of your sacrifices. Now, People going through the motions, you know, Israel in Isaiah's age, Israel, oh, look, we're, look, it's, it's what the Bible says. We're doing what Moses says. We're doing everything that the law says. And look, we're doing it. We're making our offering, our sacrifices, a multitude of sacrifices. We're doing, we honor the Lord. We honor the Lord. Oh, don't forget. I'm also doing my crack. I'm also doing my sex, my strippers, my gambling, my Buddha, my Baal, my Molech. I'm also doing these things. It doesn't work that way. Old Testament, New Testament, it doesn't work that way. Look at what the Lord says still in verse 11. I've had enough. I have had enough. Whoa. Verse 11 and verse in the beginning, he says, what's the point? To what purpose? The sacrifices, what's the point? I've had enough. I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle. Whoa, but wait a second. Moses said it was good. We, 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 we've studied Leviticus. We've looked at numbers and we're in Deuteronomy. And Moses says, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. And Israel, look, they're doing it. They haven't forgotten. That's what the carnal would say. That's what the blind and deaf would say. Because the law which leads to Christ Remember, it's like, you know, 
the, the obedience to the law and the ordinances and the statutes, it leaves room for trust, which leaves room for love, which also opens the door of hope for the fulfillment of the law. But without ears to hear and eyes to see and understand what the law is, you get into a situation where people are just going through the motions. Look, we're going to gather together and do our sacrifices and do our burnt offerings and rams of the fat of fed cattle. We're going to do these things. Oh, it's a social club. I'm going to go do these things and talk with this guy and this guy and I'm going to go see my friends. We're going to look, I got a, uh, I got, I got a, a turtle dove in my hands. I got a sheep under my arm and with my other hand, I'm leading a cat, leading an ox. I got it with my right hand. I got a rope, you know, and I'm, I'm leading the ox and yeah, I'm going to, Moses says we got to do this. So I'm going to do it. And you know, oh, but I'm really here to see my friends. Talk with my friends. Look, I got a, you know, a, a sheep under my arm. I got a lamb under my arm. And, you know, I, I really, you know, I got the lamb under my arm, but I really want to talk to my friends. Oh man, we had fun last night, didn't we guys? We had a lot of fun last night, didn't we guys? Look how fun it was. Oh yeah, I got the sheep. You know, no big deal. I'm just going to, I'm just going to go here and give it to the priest. And, you know, he's going to do his thing and whatever, you know, I know no Moses said that, but you know, that was so long ago. Oh man, remember last night, man, we partied so hard. Oh, don't mind the sheep under my arm. Oh, my arm's getting hit. My arm's getting tired. I'm just going to set him on the ground really quick. Tie a rope around his neck and hold it with my hand. And no big deal. Yeah, just, it, it'll just be a couple minutes, guys. And we'll come back and we'll talk, you know. We'll, 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 we'll reminisce about last weekend, you know. We'll reminisce about last night. We're doing our crack, doing our sex, doing our drugs, doing our alcohol, going to the strippers, doing all these things, going gambling, doing all these things. Oh, but the sheep, don't mind the sheep. No big deal. We're doing what Moses says. Look, we're honoring Moses. Moses says that we got to do this in order to be right with the Lord. And look, we're doing it. That's blindness and deafness. And the Lord says, what's the point? What's the purpose of it? I've had enough of offerings of rams and the fat of cattle. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or goats. This is so powerful because we've read Leviticus, we've studied Leviticus, and the Lord says, I delight in these things. And now he says, I do not delight in these things. You say, wait a second, did, did God change his mind? No. No. You know what happened? The people changed their hearts. How many times did you hear us say that in our study in, in, in Numbers? You know, did God change his mind? Is God wishy-washy? I hate saying that. I hate saying that, but I say it for us to understand. Is God wishy-washy? No. Did God change his mind? No. Remember in Numbers when, you know, God gave the command to go into Canaan and the people were afraid and then judgment came to the people. Okay, you want to be afraid? Then this is what's going to happen. Instead of 11 days, it's going to be 40 years. And then the people all of a sudden said, okay, we're going to go to Canaan. We're going to fight. We're going to do these things. We're going to." And the Lord says, Moses, tell the people, don't go. Tell the people not to go. He said, wait a second. Did, did God change his mind? Is God wishy-washy? I hate saying that with passion. I can't tell you how it pains me to say that. But that's what the carnal say. Oh, look, the Lord changed his mind. 
So, because you know, I would prefer an 11-day journey instead of 40 years. And I was afraid before. And now, you know, I prefer the 11 days over 40 years. So now I'm going to go into Canaan, just like the Lord said. But wait a second. The Lord says, don't go now. Well, wait a second. What do we do? The Lord says, go. And, you know, now we're going. And But he says, it's not good now. Did the Lord change his mind? No, the Lord sees the heart. He tests the mind. He sees the heart. He knows the motives. I'm just doing what's good for myself. What's good for me. I didn't, I, I didn't want to go into Canaan before because I didn't want to die. I didn't want to get killed. When the Lord says I would be safe, but I didn't want to get killed. And now, instead of 11 days, it's going to be 40 years. So now I'll go because, you know, I'll, I'll take my chances, you know. I might be killed, but, you know, I'll take my chances because I really don't like the 40 years. So now I'll be obedient. But is it really obedience? Is it really obedience? No, it isn't. You're doing what's best. I mean, if that were the situation, I would be doing what's best for myself. It's the flesh. It's walking according to the flesh. Oh, I'm doing what's best for myself. You know, it looks like obedience. It looks like obedience because, you know, in our study in Numbers, Look, the Lord says, let's go into Canaan. It looks like obedience because I'm going into Canaan. But really, what is happening? I'm doing what's best for myself because I prefer 11 days over 40 years. I'm walking according to the flesh. And so what happens? I die. Death. You see? Oh, but I want my kids to be safe. I want my kids to be safe. The only safety that they're going to have is in the Lord, in obedience to the word. It's not carnal. Oh, it's straight up Torah. We're learning to make this distinction between flesh and, uh, and spirit. But you need ears. You need eyes to understand that. You see? And now look, the Lord is saying in verse 11, I've had enough. I've had enough. I don't delight in the blood. And we read the Old Testament, read the Torah, and the Lord delights in it. But here he's saying, I do not. Did he change his mind? But Moses said it was good. Look, Moses misled us. No. Moses was obedient in the master's house. A servant and obedient in the master's house. You know, Moses didn't mislead. The people misfollowed. You see, what about today? What about churches today? What about churches today? Remember, the formula must be right. Oh, look, God is with us. God is with us. Look, oh, we got a female pastor. God is with us. It's not the formula. Now, God might be with some in the congregation, people who love the Lord and fear the Lord. But let me ask you this. If you love the Lord and fear the Lord, you have to jump ship. The Lord rescued me from Catholicism. I was a Roman Catholic. And then I started to read the Bible. And then I started to understand. And when I say to you, come out of her, my people, I have come out of her. I have come out of Roman Catholicism. I tell you these things from experience. 
You could be a Roman Catholic, fall in love with the Lord. You learn to love the Lord deeper and deeper, and you fear the Lord. But the Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, will lead you out of Roman Catholicism. The Spirit, you could be a Mormon. You could be J-Dub, Jehovah's Witness. You could be Buddhist. And you love and fear the Lord, the Most High. Not the little God, lowercase g, Buddha, Mary, Roman Catholicism. No, the real God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And you fall in love with him and you fear him. You would leave. You could be Catholic. You could be Mormon. Leave. Walk away. Because there is no safety in those houses. There is absolutely no safety in those houses and judgment is coming. Look at what the Lord, look, I've had enough. The, the Lord says, what's the point? In verse 11, Isaiah 1, I've had enough. I don't delight in these things. Now, he did delight and he would delight. But the problem is Israel. Yes, the Lord delights in these things. But the formula has to be right in accordance to the, uh, the, the, the worship, but also in accordance to the heart. The formula must be right. But it's the same today. Yes, the Lord delights in the, the gathering of the saints. It's beautiful. The Lord delights in these things. But do you remember Paul? When the formula wasn't right in Corinth and they were coming, they were gathering together. The guy was having sex with his dad's wife and all these things, the alcoholism, alcoholics, and, the, you know, these works of the flesh for three years, uncorrected by the overseers, the defunct pastors, the defunct elders. And he says, your rejoicing isn't good. It's not a good thing, Corinthian saints. It is not a good thing. And then now he says, to the uh, 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 a subset, he says, separate from them. Separate from the leaven. He says, come out of her, my people. Separate. Yes, the church in Corinth, it's a, a body of saints, but then you have saints. They believe in God. They believe in Jesus, but they're not, no, there's no obedience. It's, you know, Sola fide. Faith alone. Sola fide. But you, you're like Brother James says, faith and works. You see? And I'm not talking about knocking on doors and getting 10 converts a day. Not that type of works. I'm talking about obedience. A little subset. Come out of her, my people. Separate from the leaven. Now, they're not without chastisement. Remember, Paul says, I don't, you know, do I do I praise you in this? I don't praise you. Do I praise you in that? I don't praise you. We got to get to, we got to, let, 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 let's get down to work here. Let's understand. Let's get order now in your heart. Let's get order now in your homes. Let's get order now in the fellowship. Listen to our study to 1 Corinthians. You'll understand. 2 Corinthians 2, you'll understand more. Spiritual warfare. When you get into 2 Corinthians. Same thing, nothing new under the sun for both Jew and Gentile, for both Israel and the church. Yes, the Lord delights in these beautiful things. 
but the formula must be right. And I'm not talking about the formula. Yes, there's a formula, like the, the word must be taught. The, the Genesis to Revelation must be taught, verse by verse, line upon line. It must be taught. But now there's another formula, and that's the formula in your heart. Remember the example I gave you? Yeah, I got, got, the, got the lamb under my arm. Got the lamb under my arm, you know. Another guy's got a uh, turtle dove in his hand. Another guy has an ox that he's dragging. And we're just we're just going through the motion, motions. You know, Moses says this. We're doing... Look, we're in obedience to what Moses says. That's with carnal eyes. Carnal eyes would say, look, these guys are in obedience. But, you know, it's just a social club. Look, I'll, I'll be done with the priest in like five, ten minutes max. I'll be done t- ten minutes. But for the next 30, 40, for the next five hours... We're gonna hang out and we're just, you know, we're gonna get drunk. We're gonna get baked. We're gonna talk about the strippers from last night. We're gonna talk about all these things. You see, the formula is not right. What's the condition of the heart, of the mind? Is the mind so rendered to that of the Lord? You say, like, oh, wow, you know. That's Israel. I'm so thankful that's not me. Whoa, hold the phone there, my friend. Is it you? Is it me? Could it be you? Could it be me? You see? Obedience. Every single day, obedience. Why? Because the attacks come multiple times each day the attacks come. Look at remember the 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 the, the inch from, from, from Deuteronomy to Isaiah? That's an inch. Uh, give or take, you know, but an inch roughly for me. A lot happens in that inch. Deception comes incrementally and slowly, incrementally. It comes slowly, but it comes. The attacks have come in Isaiah's age, the attacks have come. But you look at Israel in Deuteronomy, this next generation. Come on, Moses. Tell us the good things. We're ready to go. We want to go to the promised land. Come on, Moses. Hurry up. Are you done looking at their watches? You know, Moses, come on. Are you done? And he's an old guy. He talks so slow. And uh, Look, I've been standing here for an hour, two hours. Oh, my goodness. Moses, come on. Why are you going to tell us all those bad things? Come on. We know what happened to our parents, Moses. Come on, Moses, what's happening? And what is Moses saying? An old man, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. Remember, 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 remember. What happens? They forget. They don't remember. And it comes at a heavy price because now the Lord says, Isaiah. What's beautiful about Isaiah is that it didn't happen with Isaiah. Israel, Israel has forgotten. Not Isaiah. A little remnant. You see? Come out of her, my people. Israel has gone astray. Not Isaiah. Not Hannah. Not Samuel. What about today, the church? When apostasy is prophesied, the church has gone astray. But not you. You see? A remnant. Look at verse 12, Isaiah 1. When you come to appear before me, who has required this from your hand to trample my courts? Whoa. 
bring no more futile sacrifices. Bring no more worthless or uh, uh, pointless sacrifices. Whoa. But Moses told me to bring the lamb. Look, I got the lamb under my arm. Look, my friend, he's got the turtle dove. My other friend, he's got the ox. We're doing everything just like Moses says. And Isaiah is saying, bring no more futile sacrifices. Now, you know what happens in the camp of Israel in its state of the apostasy? They hate Isaiah. They hate Jeremiah. They hate Ezekiel. Oh, you think you're a prophet. Isaiah, come on. Look, Moses told us to do this. Look, I got the sheep. I got the lamb under my arm. Look, he's got the turtle dove. Look, this other guy has the ox. Isaiah, you're so stupid. You too. You're so mean-spirited. Isaiah, you're so dumb. Come on. You know what? Hey, guys, let's just... let's Don't even hang out with Isaiah. Oh, Isaiah's dangerous. Don't, don't, don't listen to what Isaiah says. He's a dangerous guy. He's mean-spirited. Look, you know, we do. So we go to the strip club last night. Yeah, we went to the strip club last night. Oh, remember her? Remember her? Remember her? And we had a fun time. We were drunk. We were getting baked. And look, I got the lamb under my arm. And look, Isaiah, he's so full of hate. Don't listen to Isaiah. Come on, guys. Let's go. Yeah, spend five minutes with the priest. And, you know, he'll do his thing. Bada bing, bada boom. And, you know, we'll go back five hours to talk about the strippers. Can you see, my friend? What did, did, did I hear Isaiah right? Did he say bring no more futile sacrifices? Did he say bring no, no more worthless sacrifices? Did he say bring no more pointless sacrifices? What? Whoa, he's, he's denigrating Moses. He's denigrating Moses. How dare Isaiah say that? Because look, I got... Okay, let's let's let, let's put aside the fact that we did the strippers last night, you know? We were at the strip club last night, we went gambling last night, we got baked, we got drunk, we did all these things and you know, you know, we had a good time by the way. But let's put that aside. Look, we're doing look, we got the sheep here, we got the lamb here, we got the turtle dove, we got the ox. We got our sacrifice uh, uh, ten minutes with the priest Max. Then we'll go back and we'll talk, we'll laugh it up, you know. And Isaiah says that. This lamb is nothing? Isaiah, he calls himself a prophet and you know he, he says he's a prophet. He says, Thus saith the Lord. How dare he say, Thus saith the Lord? How dare Isaiah say, Thus saith the Lord? Look, he's denigrating what you the turtle dove in your hand. He's denigrating this ox. He's denigrating what Moses has said. Oh, Isaiah, he's so stupid. Don't hang around Isaiah. You see how this works? Can you see how this works, my beautiful friend? In Isaiah, the formula was right. Obedience to the Lord. Do you see? Can you hear? It's not Isaiah who's in the wrong. It's the people. The formula must be right in their hearts and the formula is wrong. That's hardcore for the Lord to say no more no more 
worthless sacrifices. No more futile, worthless sacrifices. Do you know how sad that is? I mean, we listen to our study through Leviticus. The beauty of these things that we study in Leviticus, I'm not advocating the law, but yes, there's beauty in it. Remember, the people must be right before the Lord. Abodah, abodah, mishkan, the duties of the priesthood. Remember? And now all of a sudden for the Lord to say, these sacrifices are worthless. He's not denigrating the law. Isaiah isn't denigrating the law. Isaiah is saying, hey, guys, the problem is you. The problem is your heart. The problem is your mind. The problem is inside of you. You're doing the law. You're obedient to the law. But tell me, you who desire to be uh, 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 under the law, do you not hear the law? You say, whoa, that, you know, I'm glad I'm not Israel. I'm glad I'm a Christian. Do you think this doesn't apply to us? Do you think this doesn't apply to us? Knowing that judgment comes first to the house of God? The fellowship that you go to. Better make sure it's the house of the Lord. And that the formula is right. The biblical formula is right. Yes, in the fellowship. Yes, how the word is taught in accordance with, you know, no female pastors. No female elders. The pastor, not a crackhead, not doing his sex and his strippers and his gambling, his pornography, not doing his, you know, a little tax cheat, you know, clergy tax code. Yes, that formula must be right. But don't forget the formula in your heart. Because if church is just a social club to you, I say to you with the utmost love, I love you so much. I love you. I love you. I love you. Words cannot describe the love that I have for you. And I don't even know you. But you better check yourself. Check yourself. You go to church for a social club? You know, little 10-minute sermon, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. You'll be hardcore a little 30 minutes. You throw in the prayer, you throw in the worship, okay, 35-minute 30, max, whew. But then you'll spend two hours in, you know, fellowship, talking about the strippers from last night and the gambling. Oh, you got you, you, you made $5,000 at the, at the casino. The formula's not right, my friend. I meant... To study the Old Testament, if you have a mindset like, whoa, that, that's terrible. I'm glad I'm not Israel. Remember, saints are grafted in. It's not, the branch doesn't support the root. Remember that. Remember, remember our study through Romans 11. The branch doesn't support the root. 
Where do you see a tree in, in the natural world? Where do you see a tree upside down? Where do you see a tree on its side where like, you know, the, 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 the branches in the earth and then the roots are, you know, upside down. The roots are in the sky. Where do you see that? You don't see that. The roots are in the ground. And then the root, and then the trunk, and then the branches, and then the leaves, the fruit. The branch doesn't support the, 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 the root. All of Israel will be saved. Both Jew and Gentile. This is hardcore. Look at verse 12. Bring no more futile sacrifices. Incense is an abomination to me. The new moons, the Sabbaths, and the calling of the assemblies. I cannot endure iniquity and the sacred meeting. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. The sacred assembly is iniquity? It's an abomination? Oh my goodness. What has happened? What has happened, oh Israel? What has happened, oh church? What has happened, oh church? Verse 14, that your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hates. Whoa. They are a trouble to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will, when you spread out your hands, translates as to pray. I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not hear. Whoa. What has happened? We look at Isaiah 1. And you see old Moses in Deuteronomy 13. You guys, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. An old guy. Everybody had to be super quiet. His voice couldn't carry as it did when he was a younger guy. What did he say? Did Mo what? I can't hear Moses. Everybody be quiet. No whispering. I got to hear what Moses has to say. And in that assembly, you, you imagine the hearts. Male and female, imagine the hearts. You might have some, oh, come on, Moses. We got to get to the promised land. Come on, let's get this show over with. Come on, let's get it over with. Yeah, 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 we learned, you know, yeah, 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 our parents died in the wilderness. Yeah, we know. Come on, Moses, hurry up. Why do you got to say that, Moses? Why do you got to say, why do you got to talk to us like we're stupid, Moses? Like we're going to forget. Moses, why do you got to say that? Why, you know, come on, Moses, let's, let's, let's get on with things. We want, we, hurry up, come on. And the whole time, Moses, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, knowing that in generations to come, and even in that first immediate generation, you know what's going to happen? They will forget. Look at the state of the church today. We have forgotten. The saints of the last days have forgotten. You look at the state of Israel in, 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 in Isaiah 1. What has happened? But this terrible, terrible thing for the Lord to say of Israel, how in verse 21, Isaiah 1, how the faithful city has become a harlot. Not so with Isaiah. Not so with Isaiah. And when we look at the state of the church today, 
entering apostasy. You see? Not having ears to hear. Entering strong delusion because of no love of the truth. All of these things are prophesied. And just as we say, not so with Isaiah, I say unto you. Not so with you, my friend. My beautiful brother, my beautiful sister, not so with you. Let's go back to Deuteronomy 13. And in Deuteronomy 13, I mean, think about how easy this sounds. Deuteronomy 13, verse verse 2, you know, the prophet, the dreamer of dreams, you know, and the, and the, the sign comes to pass, and all of a sudden he says, let us go serve other gods. It sounds like it's a piece of cake. It sounds like a piece of cake. Oh, well, surely we won't do that. No, it'd never be said of us. We're not going to do that. Serve other gods? No way. And that might be said today. But what about tomorrow? What about next month? What about next year? What about next decade? Knowing that the enemy is patient. Satan is patient. And he'll chip away. A little chip here. A little chip there. Chipping away. Chipping away. That's why you see Paul, Peter. Let him who thinks he stands. Take heed lest he fall. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You see? And so we see this in Deuteronomy 13. Verse 3. When the preacher guy, when the prophet, when the dreamer says, Let us serve them, these other gods. In verse 3, you shall not listen. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or the dreamer of dreams. You see? I mean, you know what's easy? What if what if you're listening to a prophet? What if you're listening to a preacher guy? And he says, oh, you know what? Thus saith the Lord, and it comes to pass. Oh, whoa, look, the Lord is with him. I've talked to men before who follow women who they say she's a prophetess. She's a prophetess. I do whatever she says. And then I have little conversations with the so-called prophetess. And you know what? It's demonic. It's unbiblical. Unbiblical. The Bible says one, two, three, and the so-called prophetess says X, Y, Z. And yet the unlearned men, men, being lured and uh, uh, snookered by the female prophetess. Oh, I do whatever she says because she's a prophetess. Look, you know, she said this and it has come to pass. And whoa, look, she has the gift of prophecy. And look, wow, she's, wow, she's with the Lord. And so I do whatever she says. I mean, we read stuff like this. I mean, I, I want to say stuff. I don't want to say stuff. But I say stuff because that's the mindset the carnal has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I read Deuteronomy 13. So we read Deuteronomy 13. And come on, hurry up. Can, can, you, can you talk a little faster? Can you speak a little bit faster? Come on. I've had these complaints before. Why do you talk so slow? Why do you talk so slow? Can you speed it up? Why, why do you talk for an hour? Can you make it 20 minutes? Can you, come on, speed it up. Speed it up.
Number one, I mean, just so you know, if you're wondering, like, why is he talking so slow? Probably when I'm talking slow, I'm probably on zero sleep. Just so you know. Zero sleep. Come on, hurry up, hurry up. Oh, I do whatever the prophetess says. Look, the prophetess tells me, look, she said this and it came to pass. So therefore, I do whatever she says. And you know what's easy? If, if, if a so-called prophet or a so-called prophetess says, you know, thus saith the Lord and it comes to pass. And then the prophet or prophetess says, jump off a bridge. That's easy. You're like, I'm not going to jump off a bridge. I mean, some people might to their shame. But you know what's difficult? Is when the prophet or prophetess says, thus, thus saith the Lord, that green pastures and still waters await you. That's when it gets more difficult. You know why? Because it sounds really good. Sounds really good. I mean, jump off a bridge, that's easy. I don't wanna jump off a bridge, that's easy. I'm not, that's, a, that's a false prophet. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna jump off a bridge. But when the false prophet, oh, green pastures await you, still waters await you. Sounds good. It even feels good. Oh, look, it aligns with the Bible. There are Bible verses about green pastures and still waters. Look, it aligns with the Bible. Look, confirmation. Look, the Lord is saying this. Look, the Lord wants me to do that. Look, the Lord wants me to go here and do this and say this. The Lord wants... Look, it's all confirmation. Why? Because it feels good. All you have to do, look, you know, thus said the Lord, green pastures and still waters await you. All you got to do is, come on, let's go grave soaking, guys. Let's go lay on the grave so the Holy Spirit can come up from the grave and soak inside of us. Remember, Christians, 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 saints of the Most High in Christ Jesus. We're called to be loving. We're called to be gracious. We're called to be merciful. We're called to be wise. But never, 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 never in the Bible, the real Bible, Genesis to Revelation, in accordance with the real Holy Spirit, in accordance with the real Jesus, never, ever, ever are we called to be stupid. Oh, I don't like how you say that. How dare you say it like that? You're so mean. You're so mean-spirited. How dare you say that? Okay, okay. I'll be even more biblical when I say that. I'll, I'll, I'll just echo the words of Paul. Don't be an idiot. We're not supposed to be, we're not called to be an idiot. Idiotes. We're not called to be an idiot, okay? You know, I wanted to say stupid, but that's too too mean-spirited. That's too hardcore. I'll do it like Paul. We're not called to be idiots. Yes, idiots, idiotes. Oh, but the prophetess says this. I've had these conversations with the so-called prophetess before. Fools. The prophetess and those who follow her. The prophet and those who follow him. The preacher and those who follow him. Those who follow her. Everything must align in accordance with Scripture. You know what that's called? Sound doctrine. Sound doctrine. 
Everything must align perfectly. Now, if you're a baby Christian, if you're like, you know, you're like, oh my goodness, I mean, if you're like freaked out, like, oh my goodness, everything has to align perfectly and you understand that, and you want to live a life that is in complete and total obedience to the Word of God and to Jesus Christ in accordance with His Spirit, that's beautiful. And I'll tell you straight up, you do not know. Because you're a baby, you do not know. But in the course of time, you will know. Be of good cheer. That I mean, sometimes I've had these conversations with young believers and they're like bummed out. Like, oh man, I don't know the Bible. I don't know the Bible. I don't. Listen, you need to grow. You need to grow. I mean, a first grader, does a, does a first grader get bummed out because he or she can't perform brain surgery? Does a first grader get bummed out because he or she can't, you know, be an astronaut? No, you need to grow. And you also need a teacher. You also need a pastor to teach you and guide you. Pastors are more like hands-on. They will teach you. They will guide you. They will counsel. Few and far between in the last days. Teachers, even still few and far between in the last days. But you must be a Berean because you're going to sit inside a fellowship and you know what to look for. You walk inside a new church, you know exactly what to look for. The, the preacher comes out and it's female. Okay, jump ship. The preacher comes out and says, you know, she used to be female, but now she's male. So she's biblically qualified. No, biblically disqualified. Those are easy. But now you have to understand doctrine. Oh, look, I got counsel from this guy. And he says, thus saith the Lord, green pastures and still waters await me. And I'm going to do what he says. I'm going to do what she says. Look, he's a brother. She's a sister in the Lord. And they say that green pastures, still water. Listen, the formula must be right. Are they in the camp of the grave soakers? That's dangerous. I mean, yes, love them. Be gracious. Be merciful. Be loving. But don't be an idiot. And I don't say that to be mean. Like, don't be an idiot. That sounds mean. But I don't. Look, I wanted to say stupid. Don't be stupid, but you know, I get the complaints. Oh, I don't like how you say this. I don't like how you say it like this. Okay, okay. I'll be even extra. I'll be even beyond the biblical and, you know, extra biblical, I should say. I'll do it like Brother Paul. I just echo the words of Paul. Don't be an idiot. Idiotes. Idiotes. Don't be an idiot. Oh, but look, she's a Christian. She's a Christian. He's a Christian. He's a Christian. Look, he's telling me this. She's telling me this. Look, it's good counsel. Is it good counsel? If it sounds good, if it feels good. Look, I got confirmation. Look, green green, green pastures, still waters. Look, I got confirmation. Look, the Bible says this. You see, it's slow. Baby steps. Baby steps. Remember the inch. Deuteronomy 13, Isaiah 1. Baby steps. And what does the Lord say? What does Moses say to the I mean, I say, what does the Lord say? But remember, Moses has intimacy with the Lord. And this is Moses' dissertation, his final exhortation, his final discourse to this next generation. And he says, if this happens, you guys, and all of a sudden the preacher guy, the prophet, the dreamer says, hey, let's go worship Molech. Let's go worship the Baals. 
He says in verse 3, You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or the dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you. Very interesting. You say, wait a second. How could God do that? He's so mean. He's doing that to test them? Remember, for you and me, for you and me, we walk inside of a church. Say we're, we're, we're new in town. We walk inside of church. We sit down in the pews. Now, there are a lot of things. Our sensories are up. We need to see, okay, you know, is the, the, the rock star worship leader, does he come out and, do, you know, his rock star voice, hey, everybody, you know, God bless you. You know, we love you. They got their highlights. They get the guy with his highlights in his hair. Oh, you can, you know, download our, our, new, our latest track, you know. Download this. They do their rock star voice. And they say, oh, let's pray. Stupid. They have the smoke come out, you know. It's like a concert. Fools. Oh, I'm going to welcome the pastor. The pastor's going to come out and teach. And yeah, you know, praise be to the Lord. They do the rock star voice. Everybody, let's give a, a warm welcome and applause to Pastor Jennifer. Pastor Jennifer comes out. Like, what in the world? Remember, our sensories are up. We're sitting in the in, in the pews. What? This is like a concert. Look, this is like, like coughing, like, you know, hacking up a lung, you know, coughing up a lung because, you know, all the smoke, you know, the, 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 the fog, you know. Pastor Jennifer comes out. Got all the colors of the rainbow on her little scarf. You know what we do? We jump ship. That's poison. Oh, but look, on the door it says truth. has a picture of the Bible. On the door it says this. And look, there's 500 people here and 500 people are speaking in tongues. Even a little five-month-old baby is talking in tongues. Look, the Spirit is here. What? A Spirit is here, but not the Holy Spirit because, you know, in the Lord there's order. Listen to our study through 1 Corinthians uh, 12, 13, and 14. You'll understand about the moving and gifting of the Holy Spirit. The formula must be right. So finally, we spend 10 years, 20 years looking for a fellowship that has the formula the pastor is teaching. It's the word of God, verse by verse, you know, line upon line, precept upon precept. We've been searching 15, 20 years. Finally, we found a fellowship. The formula is right in accordance with the word, you know, oh, and we rejoice. People say he's crazy. People say he's stupid. People say he's dangerous. But we read our Bibles. You know what? We're going to stay here. We're going to listen. And so praise be to the Lord because that's a biblical formula. But then there's more. Now inside of you and inside of me, in our minds, in our hearts, there's another formula. That formula must be right. For you and me, we enter a church, we sit in the pews, you know, the smoke, the rock star worship leader comes out, we look at each other like, who in the world is this this guy? He's all, you know, talking about himself, talking about his tracks, talking about his, you know, his latest, his latest songs and all these things and to download this and this and, you know, buy the CDs in the foyer and, you know, the young people, they just download it, you know, but then the older people, they buy the CDs. 
he's talking where's he where's the exhortation is he it's his performance the smoke comes out you know they do the lights you know the lights come out and the lights are shining creating this ambiance he does his rocks look he's got the highlights he's got his skinny jeans and this and that and what is this Pastor Jennifer, so-called pastor, doing our air quotes, you know. Pastor Jennifer comes out with, you know, all the colors of the rainbow on her scarf. We look at each other. What? Let's get out of here. We're jumping ship. You see? 20 years, we finally found a fellowship. Walking in the wilderness for 20 years, we finally found a fellowship. Look, the formula is right. The formula is right. We look at these hardcore verses, but yet they're taught and we apply and everything. It's like, wow, we finally found the fellowship and we rejoice and rightfully so we rejoice. But don't forget the other formula. We examine the formula, what is being taught in accordance to the word. You get a little check mark, you know, no check mark, you know. Rockstar and Pastor Jennifer, you know, the highlights and everything, the, 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 the rainbow scarf. No check mark. For 20 years, we've gone to a million different churches. No check mark because it doesn't line up. Finally, we found the fellowship. Boom. This is where we're going to study. This is where we're going to learn. This is where we're going to grow. Boom. Put a check mark. Finally. Whew. Does that mean we can rest? Finally, it's not osmosis. You know, the word isn't taught, and you know, by osmosis, we, we put a Bible on our heads and it just, you know, by osmosis just soaks in. It doesn't work that way. We make sure the formula is right. For 20 years, we make sure the formula is right. But something else happens. When I say the formula must be right inside of our hearts, inside of our minds, God. Our Father in heaven, He also tests the formula. The same way we test the formula, God tests the formula. Yes, in fellowships, yes, among pastors, yes, among worship leaders, God tests the formula, and a lot, many, most, the large majority are found wanting. You say, whew. Glad I'm not a pastor. Glad I'm not a worship leader. Glad I'm not an elder. Whew. Terrible to be them. I'm just sitting in the pews. You know, whew, I really dodged the bullet there. Well, hold on, my friend. God tests you as well. Oh, but look, look the, the, the formula is right. I go, to, I go to the church and we study the Bible and everything's, look, it's like this. And we do these hardcore verses and this and that. And look, the formula, right? Look, I'm a Berean. The guy always says, you know, I got to be a Berean. And so I'm a Berean and I'm doing all the, I, we, you know, every Sunday, every Wednesday. And every now and then we'll have prayer meetings and I do this and whew, I'm good to go. Are you? Because the same way we test the formula, God does the same thing. He tests the formula. Look at Job. Look at Job. And then, <laughs> remember, Satan's in the throne room. Satan, Lucifer, in the throne room. And the Lord says to him, 
Have you considered my servant Job? Look at, I mean, this is all instigate. I mean, you look at like Job and his, part of me wants to say downfall, but it's downfall in accordance to the flesh. I don't like saying downfall, but I say downfall like to explain this. But look at what happens to Job. And that was all instigated by the Lord. And I don't even want to say instigated. I say that to help us understand, but he's the one who said, have you considered my servant Job? I Imagine if Job were in the throne room and he hears the Lord say to Lucifer, have you considered Job? <laughs> I wonder what Job would say. Respectfully, of course, you know, Lord. Um, Lord, um, are you sure? <laughs> Lord, um, how about this guy? How about this gal? I wonder what Job would say. But yet the Lord is the one testing the formula inside of Job. Have you considered my servant Job? Very interesting what we see how the Lord tests. I meant, say for example, we were building a hot rod. You know, uh, we're building a hot rod and it's we're, we're storing it in your garage. And in your garage, we got this hot rod and it's, you know, we're... You know, the new shipment came in. We got this new shipment and boom, we're going to attach it here and put it here. Bada bing, bada boom and everything, you know, get the screwdriver and get the little thingamajigs and you're putting all, everything all together. You know, everything's like, wow, it's not fully built, but slowly but surely it's coming along and it can run, but it can't, you know, it can go like, you know, uh, 20 miles an hour, but we can't go 300 miles an hour just yet. So, you know, we got 20 miles an hour. It can run. Everything's fine. Everything works. It's street legal. It, it can only go 20 miles an hour, but it can't go 300 miles an hour yet. We're going to get it to that point. Loud motor, everything. So we get these new parts. We put it in. Boom, boom, boom. Hey, let's take it for a test spin. Last time we only got 20 miles an hour. We take it for a test spin. Test spin. Test, test, test spin. Seat belts, we put on our seat belts. And then boom, we start her up nice and loud. We get going and we're at 20 miles an hour. We look at each other and say, okay, let's, you know, I hope we put this in right. And if the things we should be able to get the 50 miles an hour. Then boom, sure enough, 50 miles an hour. One step closer to 300 miles an hour. We go back, clean it up, work on it. Get another part, you know, hook it all up, bing, bing, boom, boom. Smile on our face. Hey, let's test it out. We got 50 last time. Maybe we get 80 this time. Let's test it out. Put on our seatbelt. Street legal. We go out. We're at 50. We look at each other, smile, and say, okay, let's, let's gun it and see if we get up to 80. You hit the gas, and all of a sudden, a big, you know, the smoke, everything. You hear the clink, 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 clink. Something happened. We have to pull over to the side of the road. You know, you get your truck, hook it up. We take it back. Something, something broke. We tested it, but it didn't work. We tested it before. We went from, you know, 20 to 50, and it worked. 50 to 80, didn't work. What happened? We got to go back in the shop. 
Back to the drawing board. We got to work, you know. Bing, bing, boom, boom. Back to the drawing board. We got to test it. The Lord does the same thing with you and me. The Lord does the same thing. But you know what the problem is? We never want to go in the shop. We never want to yield to him. He wants to open up the hood and say, look, I'm going to take this out and put this there. I'm going to take this out and put this there. But you know what we say? No, no, no. I like the crack. No, no, no. I like the pornography. No, no, no. I like the strippers. I like the, the whiskey. I like the gambling. I like the white lies. I like the Buddha. I like, you know, Molech. I like these things. No, no, no. We don't yield to him. That's what happens. Oh, that's so mean. That's so mean. Look, God is sovereign, so boom. It happens just like that. Boom. You're a believer and you're obedient. Boom. God is sovereign. Does it really? I mean, does that doctrine match what you see? I mean, I'm not mocking God's sovereignty. Yes, God is sovereign. But if you're going to lean on the sovereignty of God, you better act like it. You better behave like it. Which means open up the hood to the sovereign and allow him to do the work. You see? You say he's sovereign, but you don't act like it. I'm speaking to my Calvinist friends and my Reformed theory friends. I love you. But you hear these people speak, oh, God is sovereign, God is sovereign, God is sovereign, God is sovereign. Come on, let's go do some crack. God is sovereign, God is sovereign, God, oh, I got my third wife, and God is sovereign. I got my fifth husband, but God is sovereign. Oh, I'm sorry, your your previous wives and your previous husbands have, are, are dead now. I'm sorry that they, they all, that's kind of strange that, you know, you had four deaths, five deaths. No, 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 they're still alive. We had irreconcilable differences. I thought you told me God is sovereign. Oh, he is. God is sovereign. Look. What? I don't. I mean, yeah, I'm not mocking the sovereignty of God. Surely he is sovereign. But in you? I don't see it. I'm just looking at them. I'm just doing like what the sovereign Lord says to look at the fruit. And I'm just looking. I'm just, I just call it like I see it. I just call it like I see it. Look, in you, I see the crack. I see the sex. I see the drugs. I see the gambling. I see the strippers. I see all these things, the works of the flesh. Oh, but look, I got green pastures over here. I got still waters over here. And look, the Bible says this. And look, I'm in obedience. Look, confirmation, confirmation, confirmation. What? Confirmation of what? Look at the fruit. Where's the fruit? You call that confirmation? There's other paths. I mean, you you say green waters, green 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 pastures and still waters. Yes, that's a Bible verse. But does you know, wife number five, and the others aren't even dead. You're in disobedient, disobedience to the sovereign. And you want to say still waters and green pastures? I see judgment. You want to beat on your wife and go to the strippers? 
Abuse your wife and go to the strippers? Abuse your kids and go to the strippers? Go to the, the you know, uh, do your pornography? Go to your hookers, your prostitutes? And you say God is sovereign? I'm not mocking his sovereignty. But in you, I don't see that. And you want to lean on the green pastures and still waters? I mean, that's a verse, yes. These are, these are biblical truths, yes. But are they for you? I don't see it. We can look at other passages too. Judgment. Strong delusion. Wrath. Don't forget those. The same way that we make sure the formula is right in accordance to the word of God. Don't forget the other formula within. That must be right. You and me yielding to the word of God. We go in the shop and we don't fight the mechanic, capital M. We don't fight him. Don't you dare open the hood. No. Have your way. Have your way. Whatever you want. You want to make, you know, more torque? You're, I'm, I'm the clay. You're the potter. I'm the vehicle. You're the mechanic, capital M. Have you, you, you want me for torque? Okay. You want this other person for horsepower? Okay. You want this other one for carrying? You want this other one for towing? You want this other one for speed? You want this? Okay. Your will. You are sovereign. You see? We see it with Job. Have you considered my servant Job? Look at verse 3. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Now these are, for this generation, for this it is of Israel, this, this generation that's going to pass into the promised land, you think like, okay, this is easy. Look at the freshness of everything. This is easy. But in the course of time, remember, we're getting closer and closer. Once we turn this page, we're getting closer and closer to Isaiah 1. You see? We close Deuteronomy, we enter Joshua. We're getting closer and closer and closer to Isaiah 1. We get into the Kings, the Chronicles, we're getting closer and closer to Isaiah 1. You see? And so we continue. In verse 4, you shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. You shall serve him and hold fast to him. You see? You shall serve him and hold fast to him. But that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, the one who says, like he says in verse 2, Let's go after other gods and let's serve them, those other gods. Not the God of, you know, Israel. Let's go serve the Molechs, the Baals. And the Lord says this, that prophet in verse 5, or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has spoken in order to turn you away from the Lord your God, a servant of Satan. Nothing new. We see the servants of Satan in the Corinthian saints, attacking the Corinthian saints, attacking the Galatian saints, attacking the Ephesian saints, attacking the saints of today, the servants of Satan. It's nothing new. They've been around for a long time. 
But their whole point, their, their whole purpose is to turn people away from the Lord. To seduce baby girl. Remember baby girl in the example in Ephesians 1? Baby girl has to stay in the house and be nice and safe inside of that house. And baby girl left. She walked away. Is that your fault? You didn't lose her. She walked away. She was seduced by a servant of Satan. You see? This is straight up Torah. Deuteronomy 13 verse 5. He has spoken in order to turn you away from the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and <clears throat> redeemed you from the house of bondage. To entice you from the way. Translates in the Hebrew as to push you along the road and journey. I love that. To push you along the road and journey. Have you ever taken a stroll with a child before? Just a stroll with a child. Just you and a little child. And the child, they're so inquisitive, looking at the flowers, looking at the, the, the grass bend at the wind, looking at the leaves, jumping on leaves and, you know, kicking rocks, kicking twigs and all. It's so beautiful to watch and to see, to see the smile of a child, the laughter of a child. But every now and then you got to say, hey, you know, come on, we're, we're going from point A to point B. Come on, you know, a little, a little push along the way. Come on, baby girl. Baby girl, come on. Point A to point B. I know, you know, we're going to stop. We're going to smell the roses. We're going to kick the rocks. We're going to see the, we're going to jump in puddles. We're going to do all these things. Yes, baby girl. But a little nudge. Come on, baby girl. We're going from point A to point B. Come on, baby girl. I love that so much. That's what we see here in verse 5. To entice you from the way translates in the Hebrew as to push you along the road in journey. Not like push, like, you know, a shove. Little tap, tap. Come on, baby girl. Come on, my son. Little push. Come on. Nothing mean like, hey, you know, uh, pick you up and throw you. Not a shove. Little tap, tap. To push you along the road, push you along the journey. This is the law. You see the beauty of the law, which is still holy. There's still glory in it, but it's the lesser glory pointing to Jesus Christ, the greater glory in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk so you shall put away or exterminate the evil from your midst. You see? For the false prophet, death according to the law. Today's false prophets, today's false teachers, today's false prophetesses, today's servants of Satan, today's uh, false teachers, false pastors, false elders, defunct pastors, defunct elders, today, second death according to the law. Only safety you and me have is in Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of the law and the promise. But is this for the prophet only? Is it for the prophet only? Verse 6. If your brother. Whoa, 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 whoa. If your brother. Now this is blood relative according to Adam. If your brother, the son of your mother. Oh my goodness, the son of my mother. Look, we're but family. 
your son or your daughter, the wife of your bosom. Now, this is so powerful how this is put, the wife of your bosom. It, 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 it's that closeness, that intimacy that a husband has with the wife and the wife has with her husband. But when you see this in the Hebrew, the wife of your bosom, remember provisions in the law for multiple wives, concubines. And these, these are things that you see blown way out of proportion as we get further in the Old Testament. And I'm not advocating this in any way, shape, or form. We have to look at pre-law. Pre-law. How many wives did Abraham have? You see? How many wives? How many wives? Even before Abraham, how many wives did Noah have? How many wives did Adam have? You see? When the Pharisees asked Jesus Christ, well, how come Moses permitted the, the, the divorce? Moses permitted this. And Jesus Christ says, Moses added that because of the hardness of your heart. Look at men today. For my beautiful sisters in Christ, look at men today. Now, if you were to take all the Christian men, I mean, men across the globe, okay, take all men, all men, and you say, Christian or non-Christian, and you say, Everybody, every male who is addicted to pornography. I say pornography because that's an easy one. But add everything in there. All the sexual stuff. Every male who has ever been unfaithful to his wife uh, through, you know, physically through an, another female, uh, a prostitute, the strippers, uh, you know, uh, the pro uh, uh, pornography, all those things. You take all those men. Every single man. And you say, okay, for all those men who have done those things and participated in those things and are addicted to those things, all of a sudden, you're dead. They're gone. You're going to have like three guys. Three men. You're going to have like three guys. Now, I'm not making excuses to say like, okay, you know, the, so it's permissible. Look, you know, the law is good because multiple wives. The law is good because of concubines. The law is good because you can have, you know, wife number one, two, three, concubine number one, two, three, four, five. And, you know, no, I'm not permissing, per, making those things permissible. I, 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 I'm, I'm kind of in the camp of Paul, you know. If you're single, stay single. If you're married, live as though you're not married. And I don't say that in a carnal sense. I say that so that we can serve the Lord, the better husband in accordance to the better marriage. Listen to our study through 1 Corinthians. You'll understand more. I, I don't like talking about marriage. I don't like teaching about marriage. I know that sounds weird, but I don't like it because the most people are carnal. When I say like I don't like teaching, I mean, if you're carnal, you hear me say that like, what? Married, live as though they're not married? What is he talking about? How is that good? I don't. I don't. I just don't like talking about marriage because the large majority. I've never spoken to anybody who said, "You know what? I understand. I'm in agreement." Never. Maybe it's you, but as of this day, never. But I just don't like teaching about marriage. So when I say these things, I'm not saying you know, especially for my beautiful sisters in Christ. I'm not saying like, look, you know, the law is good. Concubines, the law is good. All these no. This is where the Hebrew roots gets into trouble in one of many areas. 
because they like the, the teachers, the pastors, uh, so-called pastors, so-called teachers of the Hebrew roots. They like these aspects. That's why you see in the Hebrew roots, you have a lot of wife spouse sharing, you know, wife swapping, you know, in the Hebrew roots because they say, oh, look, you know, look, these things happen in the law and according to the law, these things happen. And yeah, you have the, uh, 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 the wife of your bosom, the one who's closest, like your favorite one. Get the little concubine over here, over here, here. No big deal. It's in the law. It's in the, it's in the Bible. So the Hebrew roots get into a lot of trouble. Well, now, if you're in the Hebrew roots, come out of her, my people. Repent and leave. Walk away. That ship is sinking. You see? How many wives did Adam have? Noah. You see? Pre-law, before law. Look at the closing. You say, oh, this judgment is for the prophet only. No, if you're, verse 6, if your brother, the son of your mother, the son of your daughter, the wife of your bosom. Look at this closeness. Or your friend who is as your own soul. This is like a, a close friend. Oh, look, the counsel. Surely my own family wants good for me. Surely my wife wants good for me. Surely my husband wants good for me. Surely my son, my dad, my mom, surely they want good for me. That's a blood relative. According to Adam. But there's a better blood relative according to Jesus. And the blood is that of Jesus Christ. It's called the family of God. I've been accused of being a, a homewrecker, a destroyer of families. Look, you're, you're separating our family. So what if I want to do my sex? So what if I want to cheat on my wife? You're destroying my family because you want my son to walk with the Lord. So what if I want to go to the strippers? How dare you say these things? How dare you say my sons and my daughters should align to Jesus Christ? How dare you because I do the strippers. I do, you know, I beat on my wife. I cheat on my wife. I abuse my wife. How dare you say that? You're a homewrecker. It's a better home. It's a different home. This world is not our home. I mean, parents, I know you love your kids. I mean, what parent doesn't love her? I mean, you see parents that don't love their kids as evidence in the fruit. You see parents that even hate their kids. You see it. And I'm not, I don't want to be, you know, people say, oh, you're a homewrecker, you're a homewrecker. And I used to not like that. And it, to, to, even today, I, there, I, I'm not saying, oh, I love that. You know, I don't, it's not like a badge of honor. But in one sense, in one sense, I advocate a better family with a better head. His name is Jesus Christ. And there's a family in accordance to faith, heirs of Abraham, according to the promises of the Lord, the Most High. I mean, if you're a parent and you want to do your crack, you want to do your sex, 
you want to do your alcohol, you want to do your gambling, you want to do your strippers, you want to do your meth from Chiapas, Mexico, you want to do all these different things, and you want to be a tax cheat, you want to be all those things. That's on you. You know, you, you know, yeah. God doesn't make robots. You've made your choice. But if I speak to your kids, I'm going to teach them about the better patriarch, which is Jesus Christ. Straight up. Jesus Christ, you want to do your crack? Go ahead, do your crack. I mean, I don't want to want you to. I don't want, you know, but I, I, I can't control you. You want to do your crack? You want to do your strippers? Okay, that's, that's your prerogative. Then there's going to be a heavy price to pay. You better repent. But if you don't repent, there's, you know, hello, second death. But if I talk to your kids, I'm going to tell them about Jesus Christ. The better patriarch. And I'm going to tell them about their father in heaven. And I'm going to speak about a better family in accordance to the promises unto Abraham. Heirs of Abraham by faith. It's an entirely different family. I know you have your family and you know. In accordance to Adam, in accordance to this world. But you want to do your your sex, your 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 hookers. I don't want you to do that, but you make your choice. You want to do your prostitutes, the strippers, your crack. I don't want that for you, but that's your prerogative. But when I speak to your kids, I'm going to speak about Jesus Christ and yielding to him. The better patriarch. I'm going to speak about our father in heaven. And yielding to him all in obedience to Jesus Christ. Remember? When Jesus Christ called the disciples, follow me. Oh, let me go bury the, you know, I gotta, there's a funeral scheduled. I gotta go bury this guy and this guy. My family, where it's family, blood relatives. Look, it's in the blood, look, blood relatives. And what does Jesus say? Let the dead bury their own. Oh, he's so, look, Jesus is a home wrecker. Look, he, he doesn't like the blood relatives. Look, he says, he calls them dead. He says, let the dead bury their own. Look how mean he is. It's a different family. He speaks of a different family. He's not a home wrecker. I mean, if you call him a home wrecker, that reflects on you because you're in the wrong house. It's not safe in that house. Look what's happening here. You say, oh, this is just for the false prophet only. No. It's also for the close family member that enters crazy town. The brother, the son of your mother, the son of your daughter, or, or your son, your daughter, wife, your friend. In verse 6. Who is as your own soul. This is like a, a close friend. Oh, look, I got counsel. Look, mommy told me this. Daddy told me this. Oh, look, the counsel is sound. My son told me this. Look, you know, I respect my son. My son told me this. Therefore, I'm going to do what he says. Oh, look, you know, mama's a prophetess. I'm going to do what she says. Ay, 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 ay. Nothing new under the sun. 
Nothing new under the sun. Notice what we see here in verse 6. Any of these people, if they secretly entices, which is to covertly seduce. Seduction isn't like, you know, seduction isn't like, you know, like right in your, sometimes it is. I mean, I've had married, this is back in the day, married women say, hey, let's go do this. You say, hey, I'm married. They say, you know, I don't care. You know, let's do this. It's like, what in the world? Sometimes the seduction is like, boom, right in your face. And you're like, well, those are easy. That's like an easy no. But sometimes the seduction, you know, it, it takes time. It's covertly. It's done. It takes time. It's, remember, I got an inch from my Bible. You might be old and have five inches. You might be young and have like a centimeter. But from Deuteronomy 13 to Isaiah 1, a lot happens. Seduction happens. It's, you know, bit by bit. You know, individual to individual to individual. Look at the, look at Korah. A leader of disobedience. Yes, he was a leader. People followed him. A leader into disobedience and wickedness. You see? And many followed him. And all who followed him died. The earth opened up and swallowed them all. Men, women, children, the whole nine yards. And I don't just gloss over. I mean, listen to our study through numbers and you'll, you'll understand, but... I don't gloss over it like, you know, you know, a piece of cake, you know, like it's a good thing. It is a good thing in one sense, but it's a bad thing in another sense because it's terrifying. It's terrible. It didn't have to be that way. Korah made his choice. He could have yielded to the Lord through Moses, but he didn't. He made his choice and people followed him. They made their choice. But you know what's so powerful when you get into the Psalms? What do you see? The sons of Korah. In that lineage of Korah, what do you see? Psalms praising the Lord. You know what that says of the sons of Korah? They had to understand, wow, the patriarch of this family, he is straight up loco. He is straight up crazy. He wants to be disobedient to the Lord. I don't want him to do that, but he wants to do that. Okay, he made his choice. People want to follow him. Okay, they made their choice. Say that you and me are brother, you know, if you're a guy, you're my brother, you're, I'm your brother. And if you're a girl, I'm your uh, brother, you're my sister. And, you know, we're that in Christ. But say we're in the same tent in those days, in these, these days of uh, the wilderness. And we're in, we're, we happen to be of the family of Korah. And we live in the tent of Korah. We wake up in the morning and we can't wait to get out. We wake up in the morning and boom, we're out. Why? Because we hear Korah. He said, you know, the patriarch. We hear him and, you know, we're supposed to honor him. And yet he's in accordance to the law, in accordance to the statutes, we're supposed we're brothers. We're like, you know, say we're 10 years old. You're my brother. You're my sister, whoever you are. We're 10 years old. And we wake up and we hear, here's Korah with this rebellion. It's like, he says this, he says we should do this, but... Wait a second, that's not that's not pleasing to the Lord. He wants us to do this, and that's not good. He wants to go back to Egypt. He wants to do these things, and what? That, we know that that's not a good thing. Why? Because we want to honor the Lord. You're my brother. You're my sister. 
And so what do we do? We wake up in the morning, boom, we're out. We go to another tent. You see? We be we, we become purchased by, an, uh, by a master to where now we're servants in that master's tent. You say like, what? You, 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 you want to enter slavery? You want to be a servant? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because number one, look at Korah. I don't want anything to do with what Korah says and you don't want anything to do with what Korah says. Plus, this master that you're referring to, that we subject ourselves to, he's good to us. He's good to us. He treats us fairly. He, he, look at his example. Look at the fruit. And I'm more safe in his tent than I am in my own tent. I don't even want to be in the tent of Korah. You don't even want to be in the tent of Korah. So we become servants in this guy's house. You say, oh, you don't want to serve that rich guy. You don't want to serve that rich guy. You say he's a rich guy, but he's blessed of the Lord. And so we serve our time, and then all of a sudden, you know, we uh, 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 we have our opportunity. You know, the year of jubilee, we have our opportunity to be free. We've done our time, so to speak, and we can be free. The money's been paid, the service has been rendered, and we have our opportunity to be free. We look at each other. I like this. I like serving the master, this master, not just any master. This master, I like serving him. He's good to us. I'm more safe in this tent than I am in the tent of Korah. I'm more safe here. Yes, there's the shameful aspect of it, but that's not shame because of you. That's shame because of Korah. Korah made his choice. And so we go to the master. Master, you've been so good to us, master. And you know what, master? I've fallen in love with you. We have fallen in love with you. Not a carnal like we've fallen in love with you. Spiritual. We love you. We have fallen in love with you, Master. And the Master says, I have fallen in love with you too. I love you guys like you're my own kids. Like you, like I give birth to you. I love you guys. And so we say, Master. I know that we, we can be free. We know that we fully understand that, you know, we've, we've done our service. You've paid the fee. You've paid this, this price. And, you know, we, we, we've done it. We can be free. We can go back to Korah. But, Master, we want to stay here. We want to be your bondservants. And the Master gives that little tear in his eye like, nothing would please me more. Because I want to be with you, like, Forever. And now all of a sudden we go to the doorpost, he takes his all, and then boom, right through our right ear, we're bond servants. Now we're nice and safe in that tent. And one day, one day, something happens. Korah is spewing his poison, rebellion against the Lord. And we're in another tent. Remember, that's that's our patriarch. That's the tent that we grew up in. And we're in a master's tent, a, a better, everything is better for us. Everything is safe for us. And we look kind of shamefully like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that's, you know, what is he saying? What? And then all of a sudden we see the earth start to move and it just opens up. Korah sinks in. Those who follow him, women, 
children, we hear the screams. And we're outside the tent of our master, of whom we're bondservants, and we see these things happen. And yes, it is shameful. Not for us. Korah and those who followed him, they made their choice. Rebellion against the Lord. But Korah made his choice. Now you and me as descendants of Korah, all of a sudden we start to write psalms. We start to write psalms which are captured in the psalms that we have today. You see? Psalms of the sons of Korah. How beautiful is that? Yes, if, if you're a child, I mean, everybody's a child, but I mean, to somebody. But if you're like a teenager and you can comprehend these things, you might be like eight years old and can comprehend these things. But if your parents are straight up crazy, rejoice in the Lord, your father in heaven. They, you know, it's sad for your parents. It's shameful. They've made their choice. But as for you, there's a better tent. There's a better camp. And his name is Jesus Christ. Be a bondservant unto him. Because in him, in his house, it is safe for your soul. Mom and dad, they're crazy. They made their choice. You see? I, I, if you're mom and dad, you made your choice. But if you're mom and dad in obedience to the Lord... Rejoice even more. Train up your children in the way they should go. In accordance to the Lord. In obedience to the Lord. And thus fulfill the, the full counsel of the word of God when we see all of Israel shall be saved. Not all of Korah shall be saved. Not the sons of disobedience. No, there's no salvation in the sons of disobedience. That's wickedness. That's who we once were. Remember our study? It just so happens we studied this on Sunday. That's who we once were. Not now. We're different. Not of our own doing, but it's the work of the Lord, His workmanship. Remember, it just so happens we studied this on Sunday. Look at this close proximity to family. The, 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 the covert seduction secretly entices you in verse 6, saying, let us go serve other gods. Wow, you see a lot of green pastures. I can serve this God and have green pastures and still waters. And look, my family is looking out for me. Look, I have confirmation. Look, they say green waters and still or green pastures and still waters. And look, look, the Bible says green 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 pastures still waters. Look, the Bible says it. Confirmation. So therefore, I'm gonna do what. My brother says, I'm going to do what my son says. I'm going to do what my wife says. I'm going to do what the husband says. I'm going to do what mommy says. I'm going to do what daddy says. No. No. Look what happens here. When they say that, let us go serve other gods which you have not known, neither you nor your father's. Of the gods, lowercase g, and plural, in verse 7, of the gods of the people which are all around you. You see, the influencers have influenced. Now, we live in a day and age where they call, you know, social media, they come, oh, I'm an influencer. You got 100,000 followers, you're an influencer. You got a million followers, oh, you're an influencer. Now, we, we live in a day and age where we have a million influencers. They might be called an influencer, 
But whether or not they influence you, that's up to you. Look at Korah. Korah was an influencer. But was he an influencer to the son, to, to, to all of his sons? No. Some of his sons? Yes. But not all. Korah was an influencer. But he wasn't an influencer to the godly. We have an abundance of influencers these days. Whether or not they influence you is your choice. But when you find somebody like a Paul, like a Timothy, like a Priscilla, like an Achilla, like a Lydia, when you find somebody such as this, these are beautiful influencers, godly influencers. The gods of the people which are all around you. <clears throat> and we see this near in verse 7. Near to you or far off from you, from one end of the earth to the other end of the earth, you shall not consent or yield. You shall not consent. You see? I mean, this is the law. I'm not advocating the law in any way, shape, or form. But this is kind of easy. You shall not consent. Oh, but mommy says this. Oh, but daddy says this. Surely they want what's good for me. Look, wife says this. Husband says this. Surely they want what's good. Look, you know, uh, son, daughter, they say this. My brother, my sister, they say this. Surely they want. Look, you know, the question is, are they in Adam or are they in Christ? They're in Adam. They're not, they're not Christians. Don't listen. Don't accept their counsel. Oh, but this guy says this. I want, I want that counsel. Well, is, 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 are, are they in Adam or are they in Christ? Uh, they're in Christ. They're in Christ. Okay, now another question. The fake Christ or real Christ? Whoa, that's a little deeper. You got a segment. Adam or Christ? If it's Adam, ignore. If it's Christ, there's still more questioning to ask. Is it the real Christ or another Christ? Hmm, let me see here. So, um, they go grave soaking. You know, I, you know, my, my, my brother gave me this counsel and he says it's, you know, uh, green, green pastures and still waters. And look, I have confirmation in the Bible because the Bible says uh, still waters, you know, green pastures. Everything's good. I got confirmation and the Lord is leading me here. Okay, okay. Your brother is a believer? Yeah, 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 he's a believer. He's a Christian? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Another question I have. Real Christ or fake Christ? What? I didn't know there was such a thing. How dare you say there? We know there's only one Lord. Yes, absolutely. There's only one Lord Jesus. Prophetically speaking, there's also other Christs, lowercase c, which are taught by other false prophets with other false teachers, other false pastors, which are servants of Satan. Oh, yeah, he's a Christian. They go grave soaking all the time. Yeah, he's a Christian. They want to go take the mark of the beast and still be saved. Oh, yeah. Look, God is good. Don't take that counsel. Straight up. Oh, but surely it's blood relatives. Okay. Okay. You've made your choice. 
You see? That's hardcore. Now you see why people call me the homewrecker. The family destroyer. Dads get mad at me. Oh, how dare you say my son should follow Jesus Christ. You know, I want to take him to the strip club. He he turns 21. I want to go get drunk with him. He turns 21. I want to go get drunk with him and, you know, have his first experience with the strippers. You're a homewrecker. You're destroying the family. Okay. Okay. The Lord doesn't make robots. I can't force behaviors on anybody. As for me, I can yield to the Lord. I can yield to Jesus Christ, the real Jesus, not the fake one, of which are many, the real Jesus. And I can teach. But everybody has a choice to make. When this happens, when mommy and daddy, husband and wife, kid, uncle, aunt, whatever, grandpa, grandma. Hey, look, you know, let's go grave soaking. Come on, let's go take the mark of the beast. Come on, we're Christians. Praise be to the Lord, we're Christians. If it doesn't align with the word of God... Oh, but look, the Bible says this, green pastures to waters. Don't listen to your belly. Don't listen to your heart. It is deceitfully wicked what the Bible says. It is deceitfully wicked. Desperately wicked. In verse 8, you shall not consent, you shall not yield to him or listen to him, nor shall your eye pity him, nor shall you spare him or conceal him. Oh, but he's family. She's family. Verse 9, but you shall surely kill him. Whoa. <laughs> Remember, this is the law. This is the law in which is found death. And the law is still in effect. It points to Jesus Christ. The law is still in effect. But I'll also say this. No one, no one is biblically eligible or qualified to cast any stone. There is only one. His name is Jesus Christ. And there is a second death. Judgment is coming. There is a second death. Today, the only one who is qualified to cast any stone says, repent, repent, mercy. You see, he extends an olive branch, so to speak, an olive branch of mercy. He's the only one qualified to even cast any stone. And yet he doesn't. Yet, I'll say. But he's coming again to judge. And that is where we find the second death. But the second death doesn't have to be unto anybody who believes. You see? So when we see passages like this in verse 9, you shall surely kill him. This is the law. 
But there is no soul today who is biblically eligible or qualified to cast the first stone. You know why? Because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is only one who is biblically qualified to cast any stone. His name is Jesus Christ. And today he casts no stones. He says, repent. Receive mercy. Here in verse 9, you shall surely kill him. Your hand shall be first against him to put him to death. And afterward, the hand of all the people. Remember, this is the law. This is the law. Today, the most death threats that I receive today are from the teachers and the pastors, so-called, of the Hebrew Roots Movement because they see stuff like this. I say stuff like this, but I don't mean stuff like But they see passages like this. You shall surely kill him. Because I say, don't abide in the law. Because if you abide in the law, you are estranged from Christ. The most death threats that I receive today are from the teachers and the pastors, the propagators of the Hebrew Roots Movement. And I reckon that will change as we, maybe as a couple years into the future, as we get further into the events of the last days. Increased threats of people who will want my head. They can have it. I don't want it. In verse 10, And you shall stone him with stones until he dies because he sought to entice you away from the Lord your God. Oh, but he's family. Look, mommy and daddy, husband, wife, they want good things. Look, brother, uncle, aunt, grandma, grandpa. They want good things for me. Uncle, aunt. They want good things for me. Is it Adam? Or is it Christ? You have to make these distinctions. Is it Adam or is it Christ? And if you say it's Christ, is it the real Christ? Straight up. I mean, it's really, it's kind of easy. I mean, let's be straight up here. It's really kind of easy. I mean, you receive counsel. People receive counsel from everybody. There's all sorts of influencers everywhere. All you got to do is ask yourself a question. Adam or Christ? Okay? That will help you make these distinctions. Now, when you see Christ, okay, is it real Christ or fake Christ? Piece of cake. It's easy. It really is kind of easy. Remember Paul to the Galatian saints? The simplicity that is in Christ, or, you know, Galatian, but then also the Corinthian saints. <clears throat> The simplicity that is in Christ. You know, I mentioned it, so let's go there. 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. Chapter 11, verse 2. Brother Paul, beautiful, beautiful brother Paul, to the remnant of Corinth, he says in verse 2, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2, For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. You see? The simplicity that is in Christ. Look at Corinth. Imagine, look at the, look at the, they already had pastors. They already had elders. They were defunct, but they had the pastors. They had the elders. 
the preacher guys who come in. At face value, look, they got the pastors, they got the elders. But who was the one that spoke of the real Christ? Paul. You see, Chloe. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful Chloe. Look at all the Christs that were there. Look at all the Christ, all the teachers, all the prophets, all the elders, all the pastors, all the teachers. You want to have sex with your dad's wife? No big deal. God is love. You want to go ahead and have your sex? God is love. You want to do your crack? Go ahead. God is love. You want to get drunk and do your whiskey? You want to go to the strippers, to the hookers, the prostitutes, do all these things? Eh. God is love. You've been doing that for a month? Okay, no big deal. You know, let's be gracious. You want to do that for a year, two years, three years? Come on, let's be gracious. Paul finds out about it through Chloe. He says, Your rejoicing isn't good. Now, you guys believe. But who believes and is faithful? To the faithful, he says, Separate. You see? Just like there's separation in Korah's tent. You see? Just like there's separation, you see, like, wow, a lot has happened from Deuteronomy 13 to Isaiah 1. A lot has happened. And look at the, you know, sacrifice isn't good. The formula must be right. The formula, you know, with carnal eyes, that formula was right. But the formula wasn't right with spiritual eyes, spiritual ears, ears to hear and eyes to see. The formula wasn't right inside the heart. Remember, we're building a hot rod. We're going to test it. You know, we can go 20 miles or we can go 50 miles and when we go 80, it breaks. We test it. We take it back in the garage. We got to fix it. We got to work on it. Because we want to go 300, not 300, we want to go 400 miles an hour. You see? But you and me, we have to yield to the Lord. We must yield to the Lord. So powerful. So powerful. Oh, but family, they want good things for me. Remember, ask yourselves a question. Adam or Christ? Adam or Christ? Okay, that's easy. That's somewhat like innocuous in a sense because it's so easy. Adam, don't take the counsel. Christ, you say, okay, take the counsel. No, now it gets deeper. Now it gets more covert. Real Christ or fake Christ? If it's fake Christ, just like verse 8 says in Deuteronomy 13, you shall not consent. You shall not yield. I mean, verse 9 says you shall surely kill him, but you know, you don't do that. Don't, no, don't do that. The only one who is biblically qualified to even do that is Jesus Christ. And he will do that. He will do that. Second death. But right now, the door of grace is open. You see? He's the only one qualified to cast a stone. 
biblically qualified. And he chooses not to do it in obedience to the Father. He doesn't do it yet, but it's coming. He says this in verse 10, Deuteronomy 13, verse 10, You shall stone him with stones until he dies because he sought to entice you away from the Lord your God. Oh, but he wants good things for me. Mommy and daddy, they want good things. Auntie, uncle, grammy, grampy, grandpapa. Look, they want good things for me. Grandpappy, uncle, son, daughter, brother, sister, husband, wife. They want good things. But does it align with the word of God? Yeah, green pastures, still waters. Look at a line. Look, confirmation, confirmation, confirmation. Okay. You see? Now you see the, the pain of Isaiah. The pain of Jeremiah. Come on, Isaiah. You're so stupid. I got my, got my lamb here under my arm. You say this is pointless? How dare you talk against Moses, Isaiah? You're so stupid. You're so mean. How dare you? But the Lord, who's tested the formula, says, Isaiah, he's my guy. And Jeremiah, he's my guy. Hannah, she's my gal. Remember Amos? I'm no prophet nor the son of a prophet. And the Lord says, hey, Amos, surprise, you're a prophet. You see? In verse 10, he sought to entice you away from the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. So all Israel shall hear and fear. Remember, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Beginning, beginning, beginning of wisdom, which means wisdom. You can grow, you can mature in wisdom. All Israel shall hear and fear and not again do such wickedness as this among you. A lot happens to get to Isaiah 1. Come on, Moses. We want to hear good things, Moses. Come on. Hurry up. Come on. Speed it up, Moses. You're talking like an old guy. Moses, come on. Speed it up. Let's get the show on the road. We want to, come on. We want to get the promised land. I want my tent to be nice and established over here. Come on. Hurry up. I wonder if Moses was weeping the whole time, knowing what would happen. Knowing about the stiff-neckedness. I wonder if Moses was weeping. In verse 12. If you hear someone in, in, in one of your cities which the Lord your God gives you to dwell in saying, Corrupt men have gone out from among you. Very interesting. From among you again. Remember, just like we see in verse 1. If there arises among you a prophet inside the camp. Now we see in verse 13. Corrupt men have gone out from among you. Corruption on the inside. You know, when you see these baby steps, I mean, you see Isaiah 1 and you're like, oh my goodness, what in the world has happened for Israel to get from Deuteronomy 13 to Isaiah 1? What in the world has happened? But yet you see these baby steps. A prophet among you. Family among you. 
brother among you, wife among you, son, close family relatives, mommy and daddy among you. Now you see this, verse 13, corrupt men among you. You see, the little baby steps of cor corruption. You see, by false teaching, the false prophet. Even when it comes to pass, does it align with the word of the Lord? But it's come to pass. It's good. Look, confirmation. Look, confirmation, confirmation, confirmation. But then he says, hey, come on. Let's go worship the Baals. Let's go worship the Molex. Come on, let's go. Let's go grave soaking. Come on, let's take the mark of the beast. I got my study Bible right here. Let's take the mark of the beast. Different Jesus. Different Christ. Lowercase c, lowercase j. We want the uppercase J. Jesus, the real one. The real son of the most high. Corrupt men, in verse 13, have gone out from among you and enticed the inhabitants of the city, saying, Let us go and serve other gods, which you have not known. Now remember, the Lord is reactionary, and his vessels are too. And Moses, old, old Moses, is saying to this generation, he says, If that happens... I wonder if he wanted to say when that happens. <laughs> Verse 14. Then you shall inquire, search out, and seek, and ask diligently. And if it is indeed, and if it is indeed true and certain that such an abomination was committed among you. Remember, corruption on the inside. And remember, it has to be verified. It's not just like, okay, we think he's corrupt, and so we're gonna kill him. No. Ask, inquire, search out, ask dilig diligently. And if it's true that such an abomination was committed among you, you shall surely strike the inhabitants of that city with the edge of the sword, utterly destroying it, all that is in it <clears throat> and its livestock with the edge of the sword. Now, observe Israel according to the flesh. This is all according to the flesh. Saints today, we're not in the flesh. We're not in the flesh. If you're walking in the flesh, cut it out. Don't walk in the flesh. Walk in the spirit. Look at the corruption that was in this, the, the church in Corinth. And what does Paul say? Separate. Separate. You see? In verse 16, And you shall gather all its plunder into the middle of the street and completely burn with fire the city and all its plunder for the Lord your God. You see? Corrupt men corrupted the city and now judgment has come. Now this is Moses saying, you know, when this happens, this is what you got to do. Today, it's the same model but a different method. Same model. Corrupt men came into Corinth, the church in Corinth. Corrupt, corrupt men came into the church of Corinth. And these corrupt men were not corrected by the defunct pastors, the defunct elders. And judgment came in the form of separation. Paul, Brother Paul, hey, you who are saints but who are faithful, separate. Everybody believes. You guys are all saints. Remember 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 2, 3, 4? Everybody's a saint. But then in chapter 5, okay, saints who are obedient, saints who are faithful, separate from these other guys. They believe, but they don't obey. That's why Brother James says, faith without works is dead or belief without obedience is dead. What's the point of believing? The guy, 
A guy was having sex with his dad's wife. He believed in God. He believed in Jesus. But was he obedient to Jesus? No way. Okay, he made his choice. Okay, man. You can't force him to do, you know, he made his choice. So Paul says, okay, separate. When corruption came. It's the same model. Old Testament, New Testament. It's the exact same model. But there's a different method. Why? Because the only one who is able to kill and stone and destroy has a door of mercy open. But he will judge and he will kill. That's called the second death. Everybody else is biblically unqualified. So separate. Separate. You see? I mean, in the Old Testament, if, if a, a, a close relative is about to be stoned, and rightfully so in accordance to, 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 the, to the law, Rightfully so, in accordance to the law. If a brother is going to be stoned, you know what you would do from that brother? You would separate from that brother. Because the judgment is about to be delivered. And if you're holding on to your brother, you're also going to die. So what do you have to do? Separate from the brother. You see? And then judgment comes to the brother. And you live. But judgment comes. I know that's very sobering. But separation, Old Testament and New Testament, happens. It's, I'm not to say like, oh yeah, you know, yeah, separate and rejoice. Separate and, you know, have a good time. Separate. No, no, no. Separation is painful. Why? Because it didn't have to be this way. It is shameful. But not shameful for you. Shameful for the disobedient because they were disobedient. Now, that's the law. I'm giving an example of the law. Separate from that brother and then he's stoned. But the same thing applies for you and me today. Just like in court, the guy wants to have sex with his dad's wife. Okay. Separate from him. Commit him to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. And if he doesn't repent, the Lord will judge him. You see? But yet you still separate. Just like the Old, the Old Testament, New Testament. You still separate. It's the same. Nothing new under the sun. Notice what we see in verse 16. It shall be a heap forever. Speaking about the city, it shall not be built again. So none of the accursed things shall remain in your hand. You see, God desires cleanliness. He desires, not cleanliness, cleanness of heart and of mind. Cleanness. You say, I mean, look at what we looked at in Isaiah 1. In Isaiah 1, uh, uh, verse 13, where the sacrifices are worthless. You say, wait a second, but I got the, the example I gave you. you. Say you're right there with me. I got the lamb under my arm. You got the ox. You got the, you know, you get the rope tied to the ox. And we got another friend there. And But we were just with the strippers the night before, getting baked, getting drunk doing our gambling. We were just with the strippers. Now, with carnal eyes. Look, we're, we're obedient to Moses. We're doing exactly what Moses said. See? But is it right in the eyes of the Lord when he sees the heart and the mind and the wickedness of the strip? You know, us with the strippers, he sees that. 
us getting baked. Carnally speaking, we're doing everything right. What Moses says, I got the lamb, you got the ox, the other guys got the turtle dove. Everything's right. But we are deaf to the law. Why? Look at the fruit. Look at the fruit. Look at what we just did last night. You see? That's hardcore. I know it's hardcore. And that's just you and me. What about the priest? You see? What about if we were going to Eli and his wicked sons? You know, we're standing there in line. I got my, my lamb. You got your, you know, your, your ox and the turtle dove, you know. And we got sisters too. And Eli's sons, they do, uh, 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 they go inside a, a special chamber with our sisters. Oh, we're going we're gonna to help them be clean. That's what Eli, wicked, Eli's wicked sons would say. We're going we're to help them be clean. So they go in the little special, they call it a special tent of holiness. You know, the, the women's chamber, the women's court. And they go there. Oh, yeah, we're the sons of Eli. We need to inspect your bodies for leprosy. So disrobe, you see. And thus saith the Lord, you got to do this, you got to do that. And very grotesque in what I'm describing. But it happened. It happened. What in the world? Remember the inch. Deuteronomy 13, Isaiah 1. What in the world has happened? Now you see, you know, why the Lord was silent in, in Samuel's day. While Hannah was so incredibly beautiful. The, uh, like, I, you know, if, if I were to, I'm male. If I were to tell you the most beautiful women I have ever met in my life. Every single one of you would say I'm blind. Like, What? Every single one of you would say, whoa, this guy is blind. That's the most beautiful woman he's ever met. Because it is not in the ways of Adam. Look at Hannah's beauty. Look at Hannah's beauty when everybody, the priests, the high priest, everybody was crazy. Her own husband was crazy. And yet she honored the Lord. I mean... I don't want to sound blasphemous here, but put yourself in the Lord's position, like not in the Lord's position, but next to the Lord. And his eyes see everything. And you say, okay, look at this high priest. Surely the Lord's going to speak to him. But the Lord, how can I speak to him? He's crazy. And you say, okay, Lord, what about his sons? What about that son over there? How can I look what he's doing with the, he had his special chamber with the ladies. He wants to inspect for leprosy. How can, how can I speak to them? And he points this lady who's praying. People, the priests say she's crazy, she's drunk. And he says, you see that lady over there? He says, yes, Lord, I see. And the Lord says, that's my gal. That's my gal. I look at the heart of men. I look at the heart of women and everybody's crazy. But I see beautiful Hannah. She's praying, she's barren, but you know what? I'm going to bless her with the baby. You see? That's my girl. 
That's my girl. And then all of a sudden, little Samuel. And you read like, you know, like, I mean, just for the Lord to be silent in those days. Why? It, it never had to be that way. The Lord is silent for a reason. And Eli, the high priest, the Lord isn't even speaking where the law says that the Lord will, the, the law says the Lord will speak to the high priest and the Lord's not speaking to the high priest. It's understandable why the Lord is silent. It's completely understandable. And it's right. Painful, but it is good. Why? Because look at the beauty of this remnant. Old Testament and New Testament. Look at the beauty of this remnant. Finally, Eli said to Samuel, Samuel, what did the Lord say? And Samuel, I don't want to tell you. No, come on, tell me. Okay? Your kids are dead. They're going to die. And the Lord is going to kill them. And he's going to kill you too, Eli. See? So many people read. They're like, oh, how... The Lord is so mean, he's going to kill them. But then, they made their choice. We see why. And I'm not advocating, you know, oh, I'm glad these people are going to die. I'm glad. That, yeah, I'm not saying that in any way, shape, or form. But judgment is coming. Death will happen. But it doesn't have to be that way. The second death, I want the population of the second death to be as minimal as possible. It doesn't have to. If there's a million people subject to the second death, I want zero there. people make their choice in verse 17 Deuteronomy 13 in closing so none of the accursed things shall remain in your hand that the Lord may turn from the fierceness of his anger and show you mercy you see mercy remember mercy is conditional the Calvinists and reformed will say oh yeah God has he shows mercy to, you know, he on, on Jacob, he was merciful, and Esau, he hated. He has mercy on whom he has mercy. Yes, absolutely, biblically true that the Lord has mercy on whom he has mercy. But remember, it is written, and it is also written. The condition of mercy is those who love me and those who obey me. Oh, but Esau, he hated. Why? Esau made his choice. A profane fornicator, he made his choice, and the Lord responded. But what did the Calvinists say? The Reformed theory. Oh, he predestines people to heaven, he predestines people to hell, and if you're in the camp of hell, there's no hope for you. What? It doesn't even align with Holy Scripture. Old Testament and New Testament. The Lord, 
He desires to turn away from the fierceness of his anger and show mercy, as it is written here in verse 17, have compassion on you and multiply you or increase you just as he swore to your father. Just as he swore to your fathers. God's increase and blessings. It just happens. It's not manufactured by human hands. Apply it to intellect and be, oh, you know, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, 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 this and that. Look, you know, family says this, family says that. Is it Adam or Christ? And if it's Christ, is it fake Christ or real Christ? Everything's manufactured. But the real blessings of the Lord, it's supernatural. It's a byproduct, not of intellect. It's a byproduct of obedience. In verse 18, because you have listened to the voice of the Lord your God to keep all his commandments, which I command you today to do what is right in the eyes of the Lord your God. You see, remember we study these passages from the lens of the new covenant standing firmly on the rock of salvation. The better covenant. The better law. It's the law of faith. To the beautiful people of the way, a remnant of these last days. God bless you. I love you.